Hey, what's going on, everyone? We are so glad you're choosing to take time out of your day to listen to our sermons. Our prayer for you is that these messages would not replace your belonging to a local church, but would only be supplemental in your walk with Jesus. With that being said, we love you, and we hope you enjoy the message today. O و سلطنتش بی زوال و بی پایان اوست که نجات میبخشد و میرهاند و کارهای شگفتانگیز در آسمان و زمین انجام میدهد اوست که دانیال را از چنگ شیران نجات داد Good morning, good morning. How's everybody doing today? All right, all right. Hey, SBA begins tomorrow. As you guys can see, the stage looks awesome. Didn't they do an awesome job with the space here? Yeah, let's give it up for them. We are super excited. And if you have a student who wants to join, so this is pre-K through elementary, if you have a student who wants to join, you can still sign them up the day of, tomorrow night. You can sign them up. You don't want to miss it. Tell your friends. Get your kids here. Get your friends' kids here. It is going to be an amazing, amazing week. And thank you, volunteers, for your hard work. Uh, We are wrapping up today, season one of Daniel, Life in the Den. We really did that thing. We got through the first six chapters. We're going to take a little break during the summer, do a summer in the, in the Psalms, and then we'll come back and do season two starting in the fall. And, and, and this sermon today has been one that I've been really excited about for two reasons. The first reason is because we're finally in Daniel chapter six, and Daniel chapter six is Daniel in the lion's den. This is the one you all know, right? This is one you've heard about it, maybe you read it as a kid, maybe you heard it as a kid, maybe you've just heard it out in culture, maybe it's your first time today at church, but you still know this story of Daniel and the lion's den. It's one of the most recognized stories in the entire Bible and the inspiration for this entire series. And the reason we did this series is all because of this chapter, we realized as we were talking to people, as we were just kind of putting our, our finger on the pulse of culture, what's going on in the world today, what we're seeing on the news, we were starting to realize, you know what, life feels a little bit like we're living in the midst of a den of lions. Anybody else feel that way? You look around, it's like, oh my gosh, things are not easy, like, and, and they're not getting easier. Like, I thought 2020 was my year, and then it was nobody's year. And then I thought 2021 was going to be, you know, the return of me, and it, and it wasn't. And then we're in 2022, and it's like, we are still in the middle of this lion's den. And so as we were thinking about things and just feeling out this church, we were like, you know what? We need a message of hope in the midst of trying circumstances because sometimes life feels like it's in a den. Well, in today's passage, this is Daniel's first time in an actual lion's den, okay? He didn't have a history of this. It was his first time in the presence of real lions, but his entire life and ministry up to this point could be characterized by that phrase, life in the den. And if you've ever experienced life in the den, maybe you're experiencing it today, then you will know life can test you. Life can scare you. 
Life can push you to your limits. Life, at times, can break you down. And some of you, I'm saying that, you're like, yep, that's me. Uh-huh, yep, that's, that's, I've been that way for the last couple of years. If that's you, or you know somebody who's in that boat, or you know somebody who's in the den, then you have been going through what hopefully has been an encouraging series for you. Because here's the thing, Daniel teaches us how to thrive when life is hard. Did you know you can still thrive when life is hard? Daniel teaches us how to thrive even when life is hard. Because even when life is hard, God is still on the throne. And since God is still on the throne, is God is, and God is for his people, those who he loves, those who trust him, it doesn't matter what we face, we can always choose faith over fear. We can choose optimism over despair because God is in our corner. God is with us and is not against us, and he will guide us through the den. Can I get an amen? The other reason I'm excited about today is because it's Father's Day. Let's give it up one more time to the dads, for the dads in the room. Fathers, we love you guys. And, uh, you know, this last uh, couple weeks ago, I got a random picture on the internet. Instagram, someone reached out to me and said, hey, I found a picture of you and your dad and your mom in a magazine. Uh, does this look familiar? So this is me uh, and my dad and my mom. And this was sent to me a month ago. The only reason I'm showing it to you is because, one, I love my dad. Happy Father's Day. But number two, uh, we are rocking some awesome mullets in this picture. You can't really tell, but we got some mullets in this picture. All right, we need to, we need to bring mullets back, okay? Yeah, you, half of you agree. And only the men. The women are like, do not do it. Do not do it. Uh, mullets. All right, so that's my dad. Uh, so, yeah, thank you. So, uh, I love this chapter because I can't think of a better chapter in the Bible for dads than this one. You see, in Daniel chapter 6, Daniel is now in his late 80s, maybe his 90s. He was kidnapped and castrated at the age of 13. It's not a fun way to start your story. He was then threatened with execution around the age of 17. His best friends were thrown into a fiery furnace when they were in their mid-30s. And now in his 80s or possibly his 90s, his life is threatened once again. And when you read Daniel's story, like, so we've been hearing success stories, we've been hearing God's transformation, God coming through, God showing up for his people. But what I want you to, to remember with Daniel's story, if Daniel could have written his own story, this is not the story he would have written for himself. Okay, no one goes off and says, you know what, I, my story, when I picture it, I want to be kidnapped at 13 and castrated and turned into a vegetarian. Like, that just sounds like a terrible story, especially because I love bacon, okay? <laughs> but that's his story. He starts off in hard times. He lives through hard times. It doesn't get easier. Continually facing hard times. You would think in his 80s, in his 90s, finally, this guy would have some peace. This guy would have some rest. But he's tempted again. He's thrown into a challenge once again. And despite the battles, despite the trauma, despite the loss, you know what's cool about Daniel? He never stopped worshiping God. Never. It didn't matter what came Daniel's way. He didn't stop worshiping God. And so if I had to use one word to describe Daniel, it'd be the word faithful. 
He's a faithful man who trusts God. And here's his formula of success. He shows up, he works hard, he worships God, he stays humble. That's all he does over and over and over again. It's not very hard, actually, when you think about it. This is it. Show up, work hard, worship God, stay humble. That is a formula for success. That's not just a formula for success as a dad. That's a formula for success in anything. It just show up, work hard, Worship God, stay humble, and do it over and over again for years, decades, and until the day you meet Jesus. Because faithfulness, here's another definition, faithfulness is long obedience in the same direction. That's faithfulness. Faithfulness is not something that you do just here and there. Faithfulness is not just a promise that you make to somebody. Faithfulness is something you put into action, and it's tested over time. And the goal of faithfulness, every person on the planet, every mom, every dad, every teacher, every nurse, every sheriff, every soldier, every politician, every leader, every Christian, our goal is to show up, work hard, worship God, stay humble, because what we want at the end of our lives, when we meet our maker face to face and we finally stand to give an account of our lives in the presence of Jesus, what are the words we're all wanting to hear? Well done, good, and what? Faithful servant. Well, in today's passage, Daniel is asked once again to be faithful. Why don't you guys pray with me? Turn in your Bibles to Daniel chapter 6. I'm going to pray, and we'll jump into our passage today. Will you pray with me? Father God, I thank you so much for the dads in the room. I thank you for my dad. I know how hard it is to, to be a dad, to, to walk that road, and to, to just want to do things well, and to make so many mistakes along the way. And, and I just thank you that every one of us, regardless of where we come from or what we've been through, we all have a Father in heaven, a Father who loves us, a Father who's faithful and loyal and never turns his back on us. And so I just pray, God, that today that that we would all be comforted by, by you. And for the dads in the room who need strength, for the moms in the room who need strength, for the Christians, the anybody in this room today who's looking for strength, that they would find strength from their Father in heaven. Bless this time that we are just enjoying your word together. I pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. All right, Daniel chapter 6, starting verse 1. It says this, It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps. So here we have a new king and a new kingdom. Remember last week, Belshazzar was attacked, the kingdom was taken from him, and now we have a new king, new kingdom. So it pleased him to set up 120 tra- satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom and over them three high officials of whom Daniel was one. So Daniel, he's left behind. Okay, everybody else is destroyed, but they see something special in Daniel and they give him another position of power. And Daniel, once again, he rises through the ranks. Of whom was Daniel? To whom these satraps should give an account so that the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they couldn't find any ground for complaint or any fault with Daniel because he was, what's the word? Faithful. And no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, We shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. Then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. All 
the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors, are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction. That whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and injunction. So in chapter 6, we're introduced to a new king with a new kingdom and a new form of government. In the opening verses, we learn about King Darius. Darius is the king. The kingdom is the Medo-Persian empire. And the style of government is the rule of law. Now, when you think back to Babylon and the kings of Babylon, a king of Babylon would say something, and then what would happen after a king said something? Whatever he wanted would what? Would then happen. He, it was up to him. It was, he had all the power, all the rule, all the authority. But by this time, with this new kingdom, government had become a, a bit more sophisticated. There was no longer one king over the entire Medo-Persian empire, uh, or over one king over the kingdom. Now there was, there was somebody who ruled one kingdom and then appointed smaller kings over certain sectors of the empire. And so King Darius was one of these smaller kings. And the region that he ruled and reigned over is a region where he would appoint his own governors and his own justices to help rule the people. So instead of ruling by force, they now ruled by law. And once a law was enacted, the law could not be undone. Well, we read in the story once again, Daniel, he's promoted under a new king. He stands out. He's spared. His life is spared when Belshazzar is attacked. His life is spared. He becomes an official in the courts. He stands out again. And why does he stand out? What makes Daniel so special throughout this book? What, is, what do people recognize in him? They say that he has an excellent what? Spirit. Who do you think that excellent spirit is? The Holy Spirit. One cool thing I hope you're seeing throughout the book of Daniel is that the reason Daniel stood out, the reason Daniel had wisdom, the reason Daniel rose to the surface and was above the rest is because he had the Spirit of God residing in him. And I don't know if you know this or not, but the same Holy Spirit that lived in Daniel, the same Holy Spirit that lived in Jesus, is the same Holy Spirit that you received if you put your faith in Christ. Did you know you have the same Spirit? And if you have the Spirit of God and you live by the Spirit of God, you will begin to stand out in the crowd. People will see you and recognize there is something different in you. And so they recognized this in Daniel, and he rose to the highest position in the kingdom. And when he rose to prominence, those around him became jealous. His companions, his guys in office that were working with him, were jealous of him. And so they looked for ways to accuse him and to pull him down. Now, now I want you to think really quick. Back in, when he was 17 years old, he began his, his life as a politician working in the king's court. Now he's in his 90s. 70 years, 70 years about working in the public eye. If you served for 70 years in the public eye, do you think people would be able to find a little bit of dirt on you? Maybe just a tiny bit of dirt on you? Like if they put a thorough investigation 
into your life and how you use your time and how you use your finances and how you treat people and what you've done and look at your family. And I'm pretty sure for most of us, if not all of us in this room, a little bit of dirt would come to the surface. We see this every election year, right? Thorough investigation. And then you hear those commercials and it's like they're just these smear campaigns of commercials proclaiming the dirt found on another person. That's typical politics. They launched an investigation. You know what they found on Daniel? Nothing. A man of integrity. And since he was a man of integrity, he showed up, he worked hard. Like, you can't, can't get mad at him for that. He stayed humble. But what was the other piece of his success that, that, that made him successful? You guys remember that list? Show up, work hard, stay humble. And what's the last one? worship God. They can't do anything about his humility, his hard work, and showing up. So what are they going to attack? His religion. And so this is what it says. It says, we won't find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. So they approached Darius, the king, and they gave this flattering suggestion, and this was slimy for them to do. This, they didn't actually care about the king. They were just wanted to attack Daniel. They, they put a law in front of the king and said, hey, here's the law. For 30 days, Darius, we want everyone in the kingdom just to worship you. You're such an awesome guy. Like, how cool would it be if for 30 days every, there was a hashtag in your name? Like, how cool would it be for 30 days if everyone said, hail Darius? Praise Darius. Like, you'd see it on coffee cups. You'd see it on people's Instagram profile pictures as the little banner around. Like, how cool would that be for 30 days? It's all about Darius. And Darius is thinking like, oh, that sounds, I mean, that sounds pretty awesome. So he signs the law. And then they suggested, you know, if, and on top of that, if anyone disobeys this law, they should be cast into a, a, a den where, you know, that has lions in it. And uh, you should sign this in, in the highest manner f possible according to the laws of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be annulled. And I just want to point out really quickly, Daniel's critics were terrible leaders. You know how I know they were terrible leaders? Because they didn't earn respect. They didn't gain the respect of the king. They had to trick the king in order to get their way. They had to trick the people in order to get their way. You see, good leaders, good politicians, people who care about others, when they lead, their leadership inspires the people under their care. People gladly follow strong leaders. That's why people were gladly following Daniel. He was a strong leader, a good leader, someone who stood out amongst the rest. But slimy leaders, slimy politicians... They're just in it for the control, they're in it for the power, and they realize that people don't like them or trust them, and for good reason. And so you know what slimy politicians do? They try to figure out a back door into the system, put into, some, into, into place some kind of policy that will control people and get it passed without anybody noticing. Does that sound familiar at all? Slimy leadership. These were slimy leaders. And they got the king to sign something that, you're going to find out later, he actually really didn't even want to sign. So what happens next? When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he knew, okay, it's over. There's nothing I could do. What did he do? 
He went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God. What was the law that you shall not what for 30 days? Pray. The law is signed. What does Daniel go and immediately do? Pray. And where does he do it? At his window. You think that Daniel is just not a smart person? No, he's doing this on purpose, right? Goes to his window. He prayed. And this is something that he wasn't just doing that day. It's as he had done previously. This, was, this is why Daniel stood out. This is why Daniel had the Spirit of God. Because his entire life was marked by that thing. Praying three times a day towards Jerusalem, looking to God, trusting God, even when times were hard. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. And they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any God or man within 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they answered and said before the king, Well, Daniel, who's one of the exiles from Judah, he pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction you've signed, but makes his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he had heard these words, was much distressed. He liked Daniel, trusted Daniel, respected Daniel, promoted Daniel. And now Daniel was about to be killed because of his own law. And he, was, he set in his mind to deliver Daniel, looking for some kind of loophole in the law. But once the law was in place, there was nothing he could do. He labored till the sun went down to rescue him. Then these men came by in agreement to the king and said to the king, No, O king, that it's, it's, it's a law. The law of the Medes and Persians now. And once that's in effect, no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. This is not Babylon. This is Persia. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve, continually deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signets of his lords, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. Daniel was an experienced leader. And since he was an experienced leader, he knew that once that decree was signed, he knew that his fate was set. For 30 days, he would not be allowed to pray or to, to talk to his God in public. And, and, and he, would have to, he would have to either break the law or surrender and do things quietly. And, and let, let's just let, wrestle with this for a second. That doesn't sound that bad, right? 30 days? Don't pray for 30 days. That's not that bad. Or, or how about this? Don't, just don't pray out loud for 30 days. Or don't pray in public for 30 days. It's not like he's being asked, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, to bow down to a golden image in public. All he had to do was stop praying openly for one month. He could just be subtle about it. He could pray with the window closed or in his bed at night or maybe just write it down in a journal. Surely his faith could become private for one month, right? Wrong. Do you think Daniel's success in Babylon came because he lived his faith 
In private? No. Every good thing that came to his life in the midst of the trials, every good thing that came to his life in the midst of life in the den came through the God that he loved, the God that he served. And so right now, right here, when it mattered most, he was not going to stop doing what he knew was best, what he knew was right, even if it was only for 30 days. And so day one, the moment the thing was signed, he went up to his attic, opened the doors just like he always did, bowed on his knees, and he prayed. Now, let's just pause here for a second. What are some things that you would never stop doing for 30 days? Let's leave religious things off the list for a second. 30 days. Like, if you were asked to stop doing this thing for 30, I'll give you an example. And you guys shouldn't be surprised by this even in the slightest. I would not go 30 days with in and out You guys already know that about me. You know that. But what about you guys? What is something you would not go 30 days without? Like, there's just no way. Like, just, just in me now. I cannot go 30 days without what? Coffee. Yes. Yes. Okay. The coffee was late this morning and I felt it. All right. I told Marcus, I'm like, Marcus, don't ask me for any wisdom today until I've had my coffee. All right. 30 days without coffee. That sounds like almost impossible. Anything else? 30 days. What would you not go 30 days without? What What's that? Orange popsicle. Cream. All right. There we go. Ice cream, orange popsicle, a cell phone. Yeah, okay, some of you think you could go 30 days without your cell phone. You haven't even gone through the sermon yet without looking at your cell phone. <laughs> Be real. 30 days. What else could you not go 30 days without? Sleep? Yeah, that's probably a good one. Yeah. Uh, someone else from the last service said taking a shower. Yeah, that's probably, yeah. Take, please take your showers. Um, electricity. Yeah, electricity. Like, I would not, I, I, tr- I spent 14 days in uh, Indonesia in a, in a home built by sticks, and uh, I don't want to do that again, okay? Um, it's not easy. It's hard. Uh, there's, there's a lot of things, like for, if you're a student in this room, imagine going 30 days without a video game system. The parents are like, that could never happen. 30 days without French fries, anybody? 30 days without golf, 30 days without sports, 30 days, I don't know, but rice, whatever it is, chocolate, when you think of your list of things that you can't go 30 days without, would church be on that list? Would prayer be on that list? 30 days without church, could you do that? 30 days without prayer, could you do that? Daniel couldn't go one, even when it meant he would lose his life. Daniel couldn't go one. The moment it was signed, he went to his room, opened the door, prayed just as he had always done. Didn't make his faith private. He continued to live it out in public. And so what we learn is this. It says that uh, they found Daniel praying and asking for God's help. What do you think Daniel started asking God's help for right there in that moment? Any ideas? Help to face the lions. Sometimes you're going to face the lions for your faith. Sometimes your faith is going to cost you something. And maybe we're approaching 
a time in history where it's actually going to cost you again to, to believe in Jesus. Okay, we've lived in a bubble for a long time, and I hope that bubble remains. I hope it goes nowhere. But we're learning throughout this series that a lot of things are happening in the book of, in, in Babylon that are happening in our culture today where faith is becoming very controversial, and what you believe is, is going under attack, and some people are going to slide in si- slimy laws behind the scene to control you. And what are you going to do in that moment? Are you going to go underground, private with your faith? Or are you going to continue to worship regardless of the consequences? Daniel said, I don't care what the consequences are. I will continue to worship. Now, why would a Jew like Daniel worship God like that? Well, we learned the Ten Commandments, right? Commandment number one of the Ten Commandments, you shall have no other what? God's before me. Number one command for Christians is put God first. And we don't put God first because, you know, like, you know, God just really needs us to put him first. We put God first because everything else will let us down. Everything else will overpromise and underdeliver. But God comes through. He's true to his promises. He's true to his word. He's faithful in our lives. And so we put God first. The other commandment, commandment or two, is similar. You shall not make for yourself a carved image. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. And so Daniel, he knew the Ten Commandments. He was a good Jew. He refused to worship anyone but God, even if it meant losing his life. And so just as we learned last week, God has a line, right? We talked about that with Belshazzar. Belshazzar crossed God's line. Well, similarly, Daniel has a line. Daniel has a line. And his line is, look, guys, I will show up. I will work hard. I will serve you humbly. I will give my very best. I will speak well of you. But if you think for a moment you can get me to stop worshiping, stop praying, stop showing up to serve my God, then you have crossed the line. What is your line, South Valley? Have you thought about it? You see, time is coming where people are going to encroach on your line. Do you know what your line is? Dad's in the room. Have you determined in your mind and in your heart what your line is? Okay, there are going to be all kinds of areas where you're going to be asked to compromise, little things here, little things there, and it's just like, whatever, it is what it is. It's just the world we live in. But there is going to be a time where your line is under attack. What are you going to do when your line is attacked? You know what Daniel did? He prayed. When there's nothing left to do, and your line is under attack, there's always one thing you can do, and that is pray. He didn't panic. He prayed. He didn't despair. He kneeled. He knew that the God of heaven was powerful and worthy of his worship. He knew that God could deliver him. He chose, if if God chose to, and above all, he knew that obeying God was the supreme goal of his life. He refused to make his life private. He lived it out in the open in front of the world, a watching world for all to see. And when his line was attacked, he prayed. He prayed that the God of heaven would deliver him. What is your go-to when you're attacked? Is it to open that cabinet in your house with all those goodies in it? Is it to veg out on the television? Is it to run off, try to escape your family or escape your kids? Is it to open up your web browser 
and start looking at those things on the internet. When you're attacked, when you're pushed, when you're in the den, what is your go-to response? Daniel's response was prayer. I need help, and the only thing that can help me is not, it, nothing in this world can help me, only God can help me. And so he prayed. So what happened next? Then at break, the, at break of day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. As he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. Okay, so this king loved Daniel, respected Daniel, didn't want to see this happen to Daniel, was worried. He was up all night worrying about Daniel while Daniel was sleeping with a bunch of lions. The king declared to Daniel, Oh, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths, and they have not harmed me because I was found blameless, faithful before him, and also before you, O king, I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. Daniel was delivered. Now, when I think of Daniel in the lion's den, the one scene that comes to my mind, I can't get this out of my head, is, uh, is Jabba and uh, the, the rancor scene in Star Wars. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? Yes? Okay. Three of you are laughing. Okay. So, you know what I'm talking about. I guess Jabba, the, uh, or, uh, who's the new guy? Boba Fett rides those things, right? Okay. So, um, tangent. Get back in this. Rancor scene. There is a, there's a beast, an animal on one side, there's a gate, and then prey is dropped down on the other side. That's likely what this den was like, okay? That's what this den was like. Now, in, in, in Star Wars, Jabba is always so excited to see people get destroyed, tore limb from limb by the rancor. In this, though, the king is up all night long wondering what's going to happen to Daniel. He respected Daniel, loved Daniel, and while he was tossing and turning, he says this before Daniel goes. He's like, Daniel, may your God, whom you serve, continually deliver you. I can't even deliver you. You see that? The king was powerless because of the law. And so he was up all night worried about Daniel. But do you know what Daniel was doing while the king was up all night long tossing and turning? The king was up tossing and turning. Daniel was surrounded by lions. But the king was distraught and Daniel was asleep. That's a picture of what it looks like to be under the care and under the sovereignty and under the protection of the God of heaven. While the world is up just banging their heads against the, the, the sink, worried about what's happening, so concerned, so lost, turning on the news, refreshing their phone, trying to see what can be changed. Is there any way out of this? God's people see the problems, they see the pain, they see the worries, and they go and they, they lay their head down on the pillow at night, and guess what happens? They just fall asleep. Because who's the one who's in control of everything that's going on, even when it's hard? The God they love, the God they serve, the God they worship. You worship the God in control. Can I get an amen? South Valley. Dad, you can sleep. You can sleep. 
I know what it feels like right now. Like, man, my marriage is not how it's supposed to be. My kids are not in the spot where I want them to be. My work is not what it looks like. I, I dreamed of it looking like. My, the economy is not where I hoped it would be. Like, I just don't understand what's going on in this world. It doesn't look good. I, I'm, I'm angry. I'm frustrated. I wish I could get out of this. I wish I could change it. You know what God says sometimes? Take a nap. Dads, you can sleep. Moms? you can sleep. Grandparents, you can sleep. You can sleep because the God of heaven is in control. God sent an angel to shut the lion's mouths the moment Daniel was dropped into the den. And this should make us think of the fiery furnace, right, with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were thrown in the furnace, and a fourth figure appeared in the furnace. You guys remember who that was? Jesus Christ, the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ, the angel of the Lord. This fourth person in the furnace was likely the second person in the lion's den shutting the lion's mouth. This was somebody who's described elsewhere as a lion of the tribe of Judah. The lion of the tribe of Judah is none other than who? Jesus Christ. When Jesus is in your corner, you have a greater lion supporting you, behind you, right there with you, than any lion you will face in this world. Did you know that, South Valley? A bigger lion, a more ferocious lion, a more in control lion, you worship the lion of Judah. And when the lion of Judah is in your corner, nothing can stand against you because he delivers from the pit. What we know about God is this. We, as when believers are in the pit, Jesus is right there with them. That's my message for you guys today. When believers are in the pit, Jesus is there with them. Here's the temptation, guys. Let's just be real for a moment. The pit. Maybe you're there today. And it is what it is. Maybe you got yourself there. Maybe somebody else got you there. Maybe somebody threw you in there. But you're there. And when you're in the pit, if you're not in it now, you're going to be in it at some point in your life because it's part of life. When you're in the pit, you've got options. You can try to squirm your way out of the pit. You could try to medicate yourself to where you don't accept the reality of the pit. You try to run away from the pit. You could decide, you know what, I'm going to give up and I'm going to turn my back on God and I'm just going to pray to Darius. I'm going to do what everybody else is doing because they're not in a pit, so maybe their life is better. I'm just going to turn on God and I'm going to go the other direction. That's, maybe that's another way out of the pit. You guys have options. And, and as human beings, we're constantly looking and scrambling for ways to get out of our pits. And we feel like, you know what, maybe I could get out of it at the bottom of a bottle. Maybe I could get out of it by putting this thing in my veins. Maybe I could get out of it with this pill. Maybe I could get out of it by turning my back on this relationship. Maybe I could get out of it by moving. Maybe I could get out of it by taking my own life. There are lots of ways people attempt to get out of the pit. And I don't know what ways you've attempted to get out of the pit, but every way that you attempt to get out of the pit is only going to make you further, 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 deeper, darker in that pit. 
It will overpromise. It will underdeliver. It will not heal you. It will not help you. It will not change you. You will still wake up the next day in the pit. The grass won't be great greener. The lions will be right there. The only way out of the pit, the only way out of the pit is here. Dads, this is where it's at. Moms, this is where it's at. Leaders in this room, this is where it's at. If you're looking for some kind of quick fix to turn your life around, they don't exist. They overpromise, they underdeliver. Daniel, when he knew he was about to face the pit, this is where he went. And the reason Daniel was delivered and the reason his entire life was one of deliverance is because three times a day, Daniel didn't run to something else to fix his problems and give him strength to face the realities of the world. He faced the challenges of life on his knees. And since he was on his knees, he could look the lions in the eye. And he looked the lions in the eye. And standing right behind him was the lion of the tribe of Judah. No wonder these lions wouldn't lay a paw on Daniel. Your life can be delivered from the pit. Do you believe it today? But it starts here. And some of you are like, man, but I, I did that. Once. Twice. Three times I did that. How long has Daniel been doing this? 70 years. Breakfast, lunch, dinner. 70 years. Sometimes it takes time to get out of the pit, but you don't look for a different solution. Sometimes God saves you from the pit. Other times God saves you through the pit. But the hard times will reveal who you really are. Okay, this law that was put into place in Daniel's time revealed who he really was, where he really put his trust. And he decided at the end of the day, I'm really gonna put my trust, I'm really gonna put my chips on one thing, and that is Jesus Christ. He is the deliverer from the pit. So this last section, Daniel's delivered, the mouths of the lions are closed. And then we read this final conclusion. And this is the part we leave out of the kid's story, all right? You guys heard this story quite a bit. You probably didn't hear this part, though. Uh, we don't teach this, I don't think, over in the kids' building. Maybe we do. Uh, but my kids' ministry wouldn't talk about this part. And the king commanded, and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions, they and their children and their wives. And before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke their bones in pieces. All right, that's, that page is ripped out of my kid's storybook Bible. Just got to say. God delivered. God delivered not just from the lions. God delivered from the malicious leaders. God delivered from the people who are attacking Daniel and seeking to discredit Daniel and make Daniel turn on, on, on God. God delivered. He delivered from the lions. He delivered from the corrupt people around him. And they were judged in that moment by King Darius. They were thrown into the pit. And some people have wondered, like, well, maybe the lions just weren't that hungry that day. That's why they didn't eat Daniel. Broke their bodies in places before they hit the bottom of the pit. Okay. Those are hungry lions, just in case you're wondering. 
Darius's first decree, well, oh, here we go. His first decree was worship me for 30 days. But because Daniel lived his faith out loud, because he lived his faith in public, look at what his new decree is. He says, peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble in fear before the God of Daniel. You know why he's writing this? Because Daniel lived his faith out, out loud. Didn't live it in private, he lived it in public. And Darius got to see it. The kingdom got to see it. They saw what happened on Daniel's knees actually impacted the way he lived and his circumstances. And they were so mind blown by what God actually did. He writes a new decree. Don't worship me. Tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For this is the living God. Enduring forever, his kingdom shall never be destroyed. His dominion shall have come to have be no end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. And he who, he who saved Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered. Once again, he's faithful over little. God sets him over much during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Darius's decree is flipped. Daniel's faith is, is made obvious for everybody to see. God comes through. And so here's the message, South Valley. Be strong. Be courageous, show up, work hard, worship God, stay humble. God has a mission, God has a purpose for you. Don't be afraid to live it. Don't look for cheap substitutes. Get on your knees and trust God even when it's hard. Can I get an amen? So in conclusion, we'll just wrap this up. Hard times, this is what we learned from Daniel. They expose who you really are. Because in the hard times, who do you turn to? What do you turn to? What happens to your faith? Every time Daniel's faith was under the fire, it only got stronger. It was purified. Number two, your test, it's part of your testimony. When you pass that test, when you come out the other side and you are delivered, you get to share that story of victory with a watching world. So don't give up in the middle of your test. And finally, number three, put your testimony out there. Many of you have been delivered from things in the past. Put your testimony in writing. Get it out there. Share it with the world because people need to see that our God can, our God will, our God is a deliverer. The same God who delivered Daniel will deliver you. So hang in there, South Valley. Don't give up. Don't give in. Jesus wins. Will you guys pray with me? Father God, I thank you for today and a chance to celebrate dads. Bless them today and, and help us to just trust you even when times are tough and even when things are hard. Thank you for the chance that we've had to learn more about you and, and, and just really to lean into you during this season. Bless our, uh, our congregation today in Jesus' name.